Southeast Radio's morning mix. Chat, news, and your views. Alan Corcoran. And I'm joined in studio by the O'Toole family, by the grandson Bobby Joe, by John, and by Terry. Good morning to Terry. Good morning, Alan. Good morning to John. Right, um, I'll let you tell me the story because we are very much aware our A&E is still not fully functional. Share your story with me, please, Terry. It all began on the 18th of May, Alan, when my mother took ill. She was looking for a doctor. No doctor could be got for three to four weeks because of the hospital crisis. So your doctor appointments now was up to three or four weeks before you could see one. So we ended up bringing for an ambulance for my mother, which is COPD. Um, when we rang for the ambulance first off, we were told there was none available. No first responder could come. Her stats was down to 60 on oxygen levels. So the 999 operator said to us that uh, we haven't got anything to dispatch now, but if she gets any worse, we'll, can you ring me back? So we made three 999 calls, and it was an hour later before an ambulance came in the first place to come for the woman. That is because they're all tied up in them. Um, yeah. Yeah. So in an ideal situation, she would have gone to a and in Wexford. She should she? have been in Wexford. She should have went to Wexford, but no, because there was a couple of minutes over the deadline. She was sent up to Arkeen, a woman with spinal injuries, and she also had this bulge her back, and she had to go an hour and 20 minutes in the traffic up with the ambulance driver up to the a in Warford, and then she had to spend another hour and a half queuing in Arkeen as well before they could bring her into the hospital in the first place, up there. All right, what was it like for you, John, when all this was going on? Desperate. When you say desperate, what was going through your mind? I didn't know what was going to happen. Because, you know, it's happened four or five times before now, going into the hospital. Mm-hmm. You know, she's, she's a frequent player, you might as well say, into the hospital. There's usually Wexford Hospital. But this time, because Wexford was closed, they had to go to bring it to Waterford. OK, so what happened next then, Terry? What happened next was my dad spent the night in Waterford with her and they brought her into a ward. Eventually, I think it was 10 or 11 hours afterwards. But even the nurses and the doctors said up there that she should have been in Wexford, not up in Warford, where the COPD unit was. She was a constant visitor in St. Bridges Ward, in Wexford, and they had oxygen in the hospital, so there was no need for the woman to go on a necessary journey down, tie up an ambulance as well for over a couple of hours, where that ambulance could have been vacant for someone else in and around Wexford or any area that it was needed for. Um... It then took another twist, didn't it? What happened? They did the burst of the vessels in her hands in Arkeen. My mother was asking for help up there. She rang us. I had to drive all the way up to the Watacom Road and take her out of bed to go to the toilet. Um, everything just happened up there. She was left alone in a ward on her own, in a little small room. They wouldn't let my father stay in the room, but security had no problem with it. Because if you were going with a child you're left to stay in that room with the child. My mother, 75 years of age, and was a vulnerable person to me, like a child, as you know yourself, at that age. And they wouldn't let him stay in that room with her, even though there was a tie facility and all, that he didn't need to come out of that room. He wouldn't have been going there any other ward. He'd have been in the room on his own with the woman. You, you made a reference there to burst blood vessels. You have photographic evidence. I have, yeah. Can you tell me about these burst, burst uh, blood vessels? They done two hands at the one time, and one do- doctor was at one side of doing um, cannulas and stuff like that. She was screaming in pain. 
she told him to stop but still didn't stop my father told him to stop as well and then they, were, then they did stop but her hand swelled up maybe four times the size of anyone's hand and it was completely burst I showed you the video or not the video sorry the picture of her hand which is called black we couldn't even in the funeral there put my mother's hands together because of the burst hand there we couldn't even give her the rosary beads going out on her final journey yeah. a week in the hospital exactly right. and only for James Brown getting her back down on the Wednesday James got her back to Wexford uh, he said she should be out in Wexford and he got a letter sent there went to the management and thanks to James he did get her back to Wexford but unfortunately she only lasted a day from coming back into Wexford Had you any indication that she was uh, dying? No she, Not really Alan because she goes through these phases all the time it was on the Thursday evening, myself and my dad were in there with her. I think we came out at at least, I think it was maybe 20 days or something like that. Um, I pressed the bell because she wanted the nurse to go to the toilet facility. She wouldn't let me do it with her. She was a proud woman, wouldn't let me do it. She wanted my dad to do there or something. She wouldn't like you looking at her. And I rang my mother then 20 minutes after when we went home. And unfortunately, she never answered the phone to me. What age was she? My mother would be 75 in two weeks' time. So a young woman. And my father and my mother would be married for 50 years this year on the 16th. And they met when they were six years of age. You okay, John? That's okay. You shouldn't be. It's okay. There's another thing, and... um, she has a CPAP machine, you know, the big oxygen one that goes on at night time. Yeah. Now, I was up in the hospital in Waterford, and I checked the machine, and there's no water in it. Three nights she had no water in that machine, bypass machine that she wears at night, and it always has to have fresh water, still water in it at mm-hmm. night. Do you accept, lads, because, you know, uh, I mean, the, the, the work that's going on in the hospitals and the pressure the staff are under, do you accept that they themselves are completely overworked with the added pressure that's got onto them because the fact that no, Wayne, I mean, Waterford itself uh, are taking the intake from Wexford as well. I mean, the pressure on them must be ferocious. To well, me. Wexford is building every day. As you can see, coming into the town, there's new houses going up. Hmm. We have a health service there that nobody can go to. If you need a doctor, even for a common cold, you have to wait three to four weeks. You can't get a prescription from the chemist because they won't give you one over the phone. Yeah. You end up going to the hospital, then you're tying up the hospital's time because the doctor can't see you for three or four weeks. Cared up, I was on the phone for, what was it, an hour and 20 minutes, queuing, just to ring to get a doctor as well to get an appointment. This whole situation with Wexford A&E, what's, what's your view on it, Terry? My view is, I can't understand where... Is a 90 something days now after the fire? Three months to the day yesterday. Yeah. yeah. And the roof is back on the hospital. This says it's electrical problems. I'm sure there's people who could be working there day and night to try and get this problem fixed and get this hospital up and running. Are you hearing from other people as well, experiences that they're going through? I mean, you must have got an outpouring when your man passed. I did, yeah. There's a lot of people up there. A lot of Wexford people are anarching up there. Yeah. An awful lot of extra people came in, and there were seven to eight ambulances queuing outside for hours as well, tying up the health service ambulances. That if people want them, they can't be got because them people are sitting there. And the ambulance drivers are absolutely lovely. Your yeah. man even went and got a cup of tea for my mother, and he got her sausage roll out of his own pocket. Yeah. That yeah. they went out. The ambulance were absolutely brilliant. No, I'm not giving out about ambulance service at all. But they are so busy and so tied up that they cannot be got. 
We've talked about what your mum has been through. We've talked about the concerns you have, but we haven't actually talked about her. So maybe, uh, since it's only a week since she passed, yeah. maybe you'd like to just pay her a little tribute and how much a mother and how much a wife she was. So I'll let you speak about her as she a... She never went anywhere, Alan. She was yeah. always in the home. Her garden was a, the life that she wanted. Right. And then for the last four years since she was COPD in 19, she um, was bedridden. She couldn't go anywhere. She got no home help, no nothing. We were the only ones that was doing it for the whole end of her life. Bobby, what was she like as a granny? She was a lovely granny. I um, could describe her as a beautiful flower on a sunny day. And what was she like as a wife? Brilliant. I've known her now since, I've known her 66 years since I was a child. Right. I think we'll take a break after that. Southeast Radio's Morning Mix. Chat, news and your views.